There she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa, she's ready to go to the stars. This is the 300th episode of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. Aye, Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. And this is Rich. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of finding out that bad things have happened to your family and everybody's pulling their weight to get it taken care of. If you kids don't put that demonic skull away, I'm going to turn this Varvy around and go back home. But what do you mean I can't summon dead rock stars until I'm 16 years old? He just died last week. Leave him alone. Let him have time to have him in heaven, okay? Bowie needs some time alone. <laughs> Welcome to Try Tech Games Podcast. We are this week doing a Bureau 13 special where we're, you know, trying to push the envelope on your game concepts. Now, Bureau 13 is usually played by people who are in their late teens through, you know, their late, uh, you know, 90s. And uh, so they're, um, you know, the characters in the games tend to be people who are of age. And for all sorts of reasons that we'll go into. Uh, But it is possible to play the game uh, where the team is actually a family, a family that has chosen to uh, unite as a group and make themselves available to the Bureau as a full-fledged team. Now, we'll, we'll talk about what it would take for them all to be accepted uh, as a team rather than saying, well, we'll take two of you, but the other ones, they got to wait. So let's go ahead and talk about what are the advantages of having a child on a team? Most of them are probably more tech-savvy than their parents. Oh, yeah. Even kids from, from a, not, from a le- less well-to-do neighborhood are probably more tech-savvy than their parents. They're going to be more tech-savvy than a fully trained tech-ops person on the team? No, but they could become that person. Okay, here, here's something, and, and this is a generational difference. A certain generation... They were raised all with radio. My generation, they were raised with TV entirely. I didn't get computers until, and I, I was raised relatively poor, so I got a computer a little bit later than other people my generation. Now my daughter, who is now 22, she was raised with a computer from jump. As soon as she was able, so my daughter will probably know more about a computer than I ever will. And it's just a general di- generational difference. But it's not exclusive either. I know very little 
on how this thing works. She's pointing to her computer, folks. It, it's an audio I, medium. I, I <laughs> don't get it half the time. The other half of the time, I kind of get it. And the ha- other half of the time, I just wanted to throw it against something. Yep. Yes. And three halves there, folks. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at it right now going, huh? Um, yeah. it's, the new, it's the new math, Travis. Anyway. No, that's yeah. just – that is just pointless. Yeah, but – I wasn't right with, with a computer. I, I'm kind of – this is why I don't feel like I'm – really belong with the current generation. Well, that that's fine. And I'm, it, I mean, I'm there's exceptions st- to the rule. I'm stuck between the two, I feel like. There, it's an exception mm-hmm. to the rule, Pixie, in that you're going to have uh, most kids of the generation that had computers. Yeah, they were. You're going to just have people who didn't have access to them either due to economics or whatever. I learned how to read by watching TV. Okay. Um, Whereas my brother and sister, those two... Oh, they had a computer from day one. Oh, yeah. You told me they're just constantly there with the tablets and the iPads. That that irritated me. Well. And there's no way to really stop it. It's a generational thing. I'm guilty of it with my phone here. It's not. You you put it down when you're talking to somebody, though. Yeah. They didn't. Okay. And, John, you were saying? Well, and as a counterpoint, uh, being 55 years old, I was writing computer programs when I was 17. <laughs> as I said, it's an exception to the rule. But a lot of 55-year-olds, you know, the running joke goes around. You know, my dad texted for the first... My dad is going to be 68 this year. He was born in 1950. He texted for the first time in late 2013. I'm like, well, in the 21st century, old man, texting. So it's... it. There is going to be those different generations where just some know a little more than others, and it just depends on the situation. I found out my grandma was on Facebook. I about sprayed my drink. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, texting is just more portable. You know, most of us, we used to call texting getting onto a chat room in a bulletin board. Yeah. We, We did that, you know, 40, 50 years ago. On you know a wrapping net and everything else, so it's like you know you just you just now you have hardware you can carry with you anywhere you want to. That's all. That's the only real difference. You're still dealing with you know I mean Twitter you know Twitter. I mean you know we used to have forty character lines and and you had to hit enter at the end of it or it automatically hit enter at the end of it. Okay, so there's no no real special thing right there. You just they, the people try to make it special. Variations on a theme, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the same thing, just being reinvented. So uh, that's no big deal. <laughs> okay, so but we were we were talking about the advantages of having children on a Bureau Thirteen team. Okay, which we really haven't d- discussed. Um, how about this? Children are protected from law by law from most forms of prosecution. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Didn't know that leaving a, a, a smoking stick of TNT inside the inside the federal building is against the law, you know. <laughs> but you're gonna get. It, but if you're gonna be arrested and uh, as a uh, as a minor, and you're probably gonna be put in juvie, and that's a lot easier to break somebody out of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or, and if they actually were convicted, it would probably uh, the, the court records would probably be sealed. 
yeah, it's a lot easier to get out of there, I'm sure. Not that I would know. But even if you really can't get them out of there, pretty much everyone knows that that juvenile record is expunged as soon as they hit 18. Or 21. It, or I 21. Think, well, it depends the, on what it is. Well, the thing is about juvie hall, quote-unquote, my daughter's mother, my first wife, used to teach at a place called Boys Town out in Saline, Michigan. It was, uh, let's see, class 2 and 3, male felons, 13 to 21 age. It was an open campus. There were no fences. There were no walls. There were a bunch of buildings and a parking lot in between them. That's it. It's not exactly like you're having to dig a tunnel and break up through the floor to get these kids out. No, If the situation's right, they can just walk out. Wander off. There was no fences because I had to go and pick Chris up at one time. And just know, it's a very open campus. Yeah. So breaking the kid out, like Bruce mentioned, relatively easy. Is it okay? And I don't really know what most of these places look like. Never really had any right. As, as I said, my ex taught at one during her student teaching, so I got to see one. And yeah, like Bruce said, not exactly. You're not. You're not breaking into Alcatraz with these folks. Just now, a uh, W.J. Maxey Boys Prison up in um, Hamburg. Oh, no, it's back off the road. It is listed on the road as a prison area. If your kid ends up going there, yeah, it's a little harder to get them out. You're going to be needing some of the tricks of the trade of the Bureau to get this kid out. So it just depends if the kid does get incarcerated as a minor, depending on where they go, Juvie Hall or a place like Maxi. Yeah, there's going to be a difference in your tactics. It depends. It could be complicated getting them out, or it could be as simple as... Oh, the kid wandered off and disappeared. Right. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> also, it depends on what the crime was, too. I mean, let's be honest. If the kid's staying over the over the still still smoldering corpse of a vampire who wasn't all that old, yeah, he may end up being tried as an adult. Especially Just have to say that. Well, yeah. Well, well if you're tried that- as an adult, you're still going to be going to a place – that would be a class one felon. That's what Maxie up in Hamburg was for. Boys Town and Saline were the class uh, two and three felons. At that yeah. point, them being trained as an adult, where they're sent depends on how close to being an adult they are. If you're talking like somebody that's 13, 14, which, we, which they do get trained as an adult. Occasionally, so, yeah. Occasionally. Then, yeah, they're probably sent to a place like uh, Maxie. Maxie. Yeah. But if you're talking like sixteen, seventeen, oh no, 16, you're no, going you're, to you're going to you're going in with the big boys. Yeah, you're going to that would be Huron Valley, south of Ipsy. Yeah, um, right. Well, I I, do, I think you guys are are kind of you know overstating this because I mean if you're if you're a Bureau Thirteen team, you know you don't let your team members you know get convicted. They they they. If they they might get arrested, they might be put into holding somewhere. But you know, you really should have them out before they actually go to to real trial. Okay, and the same with your kids. Okay, so I'm actually talking about where they would be putting these kids after they arrest them before you know while they're trying to decide what to do with them while they're trying to build a case for against them. Yeah, that's usually then just your municipal jail. Yeah, that would be just or maybe county, depending. You know. And don't and don't forget, 
normally if you're a if you're a roaming team, you're operating under what? Assumed name. So the kids have this assumed name. We, let's give it. You go. If the kid's name is 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 Joe, he's his first name is always Joe because you'll forget. So you you know you always make sure the first name is the same as the kid's first name. You know, but everything else is fake. And then all you need to do then is get get is post bail and just never come back. Yeah, well, it's yeah the whole. Um, <laughs> Make the lie put enough just put just enough of the truth in a lie to make it believable. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I I do like the fact. Well, because one of the rules there are five rules, and one of them is don't leave teammates behind. So, or is that that sixth rule that was added later? Well, there, there that's a good start. I have a I have a cascading list of ethics that are that are about twenty long. <laughs> wow. You're able to. You're allowed to violate any of the rules lower as long as you're supporting a rule higher. That sounds okay. Yeah. And I have a very good one for uh, one for you. Uh, a lot of the supernatural, the more lawful supernatural, will not kill children. They will look at them. They'll go, "Ah, it's so cute," and then leave it alone. Well, I think the supernatural. What is the one thing? In all of nature, gentlemen and Pixie, that you never, ever want to face. And this is common all throughout nature. <laughs> a mama bear mother. and her pubs. Yes. Exactly. I'm a bear and her cubs. You no. can you could be a five hundred year old vampire, have you know, had the hearts of tyrants and kings in your hand. But if you lay a hand on the kid, you will be scared when that mother comes hunting you down. <laughs> No, yeah. at this point. Well, let's not forget Sometimes. Mother Weasley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Pixie <you're> just cringed. <laughs> in that particular mother, you look at them funny, yeah. and you just get that chill down your spine. Just, but yeah, I th- should leave. But yeah, now. lawful super. Okay, define for me lawful supernatural. Just a particular sentient undead that might have like a code of ethics, like. Quote unquote, well, evil. Or other things like Frankenstein. Did he kill the little girl or did he just, no. it was an accident? Mm. He liked children. Mm. Eh, okay. Yep. Most devils are, not the devil, but devils are typically lawful evil, using a D&D term, and most demons are chaotic evil. So if you're facing yeah, a the devil, he's going. Yeah. Devils, the honor among thieves type thing. Yeah. He might use the kid, try to use the kid against the parent, but won't outright harm the kid just to hurt him. Well, devils are usually the ones that are dealing with contracts, you know, sign yeah. your name and blood and all that. Yeah. Right. Right. And a lot of people believe that children, until they reach a, a certain age, are incapable of literally damning their soul to hell. Yeah, incapable of sin, yeah. So therefore, you know, the, the devil, you know, they would be, a, 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 they would be interested in them, you know, because it's, it's, you know, it can't do anything with this now. Yeah. It can't corrupt them. Yeah. Move along, kid. You're bothering me. I'm working <laughs> here. I'm working. Yeah. I mean, that's actually one guaranteed thing happens when you come, when, when, when you, if you're a family that comes a barrel team, every, every one of your kids gets baptized, whether oh, yeah. you need it or not, they get baptized. Just to make sure. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Oh, so the kids are walking around with all the charms on them, like Benny and the Mummy. <laughs> what are you doing? Covering my bets? Just uh, well, like like in the Supernatural, they all get that uh, Enochian symbol, so they can't be possessed. Yeah, it's tattooed on. Them. Ah, yeah, okay. that it's that um, it's that thing that Mom wants. Yes. Oh, okay. and the thing is, I would I would imagine that now, Richard, because you, you can correct. This. Matthias Bolt would go with a bureau kid with a bureau kid and go, if I do it, I'll bring the wrath of the bureau on top of me. Go away, kid. Go away, kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cute. Yeah, Matthias Bolt supporting orphanages. You think that's entirely as a cover? I think he's raising up his own little uh, cult uh, membership, you know, uh, I think he's got a little. I think he's got a little training program going on there too. Yes, because that's something I want to contemplate, Bruce. Just no. Wait, <laughs> okay. So, um, how many how well, these kids look now, like? Hold on, hold like, on. We we need we need to clarify something. All right. In the the short story, twenty years after with Robert Harrison, when he's married and he has a fourteen-year-old son, his fourteen-year-old son knows. What's going on? His father was a science fiction writer, but he also works for a super secret government agency. And his mom, his mom is a witch. And his best friend is a perky little blonde girl whose last name is Bolt. About oh. the same age. Oh. Oh, dear God. Here, here's a question, Richard. How many of those kids in the orphanages look like a, 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 a mini Matthias Bolt? I've read it. Very few. <laughs> Very few. Yeah. I'm just thinking of Boys of Brazil. He may, he may be evil, but he isn't the yeah. same kind of evil as a lot of other people. Yeah, he, he is the lawful evil. Guys, really quick, can I just give uh, Pixie a quick primer on Matthias Bolt? Sure. Okay, um... Heads the Brotherhood of Evil. As a cover, he funds orphanages. He is actually rather philanthropic. He's pretty much the one of the Bureau's biggest enemies. Uh. And so what, what was the phrase? He collects old Nazi brains as a hobby. He summons demons is what he does. Okay. Yeah. He summons demons and sends them out to do his bidding. And that's what makes him an evil SOB. No, when you say bolt, most agents go, oh, God, no, come on. Come on, give me a skeleton, anything but him. You know, it's, so he's, it's he's, more of the, oh, God, no. He, no. He's a big, a big thorn in the Bureau's side. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and when I ran, when I ran the, the uh, hotel scenario, he was, they looked in the, looked in the list of attendees and saw Matthias Bolt. So they hacked the computer and put him in, uh, in, in room 13 on the ground floor. Uh. <laughs> All right. So, so anyways, that's, that's one of the advantages uh, uh, of the children is that they're not normally considered a threat. Yeah, and so they, a lot of times they won't get targeted by the supernatural. They will, a lot of times, and and you know, and even in other situations, a lot of times they can um, gain information simply by hanging around, and nobody really has a problem with them because they're kids. Yeah, you've kind of been talking around that kind of a thing, but that's that's a that's my that was my second point as far as what one of the advantages is. They have access to certain 
types of childhood representations that can really help out a team or gain access to a lot of places. And I'm talking about the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. As, a, as an assistant scout master in the Boy Scouts, I have found that we can get into secure government facilities. What? You know, surprisingly, surprisingly often. I mean, it just amazes me with the kind of access that people want to give the Boy Scouts. And you know, we'll be invited in to do all kinds of stuff. We'll be invited into the top floors of buildings. You know, building managers will take us all over the place. I mean, you know, the kids can drop out of sight, go to the bathroom, come back 40 minutes later. No one thinks twice about it. So I'm just saying is that, you know, these, uh, if you get, if your car gets or uh, has a problem, you get pulled to the side of the road, you've got four boys wearing Boy Scout uniforms. There's going to be 20 cars of guys getting out and trying to help. I mean, it is, it is probably one of the easiest rallying calls for impromptu help that you can possibly imagine. Yeah, that's hysterical. Okay. Yeah, and if it means little Susie has to dress up in a Boy Scout uniform just for this one time and don't talk, fine, we have the extra Boy Scout to go along with us, you know. (laughs) Or the Girl Scout. Or the Girl Scout, yeah. We're getting into the anime now, yeah, you know, (laughs) where the, the boy is prettier than the girls when he dresses as a girl. One of the big advantages of children is their size. You can toss them. Yep. Okay. You can take a kid and you can throw them through a second story window. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> they fit into air ducts a whole lot easier. Right. Than and they go through air ducts so much easier. That's yeah. fine. Let them <laughs> climb, but just throwing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully they've been trained a little bit and you can actually like, you know, do, do one of those acrobatic launches where you can throw them 20 feet up into the air. And yeah, they can go flip right up there and, and, and get onto the roof. Something you couldn't normally do with a person without like a, a big, you know, jumping thing and a, a whole lot of work. You know, an adult could, could um, you know, could hurl um, a, a 10-year-old, especially a skinny 10-year-old, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Oh, and when children, especially little children, I, I know we say, we say we don't want to use little children, but they are a great distraction. So little little Tommy's on his bicycle. He falls down in front of the, the, the two security guards and does that typical kid I'm being eaten by the wolf scream. The two guards will react. I, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how good train you have. Whenever I, I live in an apartment complex, every so if I hear I'm being eaten by the wolf scream from the kids, I look and I get my like, uh, look. I have to look and make sure nothing's going on out there. And ha- having it happen right in front of those guards, they're going to leave their post so that everyone else can sneak past them and get in and get into the facility. Yeah, there there is a cry that it's, you know. There's two kinds of cries. Okay, there's the cry I'm I'm lonely and frustrated, and a, an adult will learn to ignore that. But there is a cry that a child makes when it is hurt and in trouble that basically hits you as you ta- as you mentioned, Trav, in the reptilian part of your brain, and it doesn't matter what your training is everybody is going to go over there and try to help. And it's an amazing thing. I mean, you know, I've only heard Eric do it a couple of times, but believe me, every time it happened, bam, I was there. Oh, no, you dropped whatever. whatever. Yeah. Just uh, that sound is, uh, I mean, you could record it, 
you know, and play it, I suppose. But I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, it, it, it transcends culture. It transcends everything. I mean, that's, if a, if you can train a kid to make that sound on command, then you've got yourself as, as, uh, John was saying a real uh, a, a guaranteed distraction. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And if you're a parent, you can tell that. Cry- and when kids try to fake it, and you're just going, no. <laughs> yeah. At least oh. with bureau kids, you can you can always go. Now, remember when you met that vampire? What what sound you made? Oh yeah. And you know, after a little practice, they can re- probably reproduce that scream on cue if, as necessary, and and hold a body part with a little blood bag. Deliberately, they 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 they've done something really bad to themselves. <laughs> and 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 much like the brown note, it really carries. <laughs> oh man! Just wow, we're bringing all sorts of cultural references here tonight, folks. <laughs> Uh, another one of the advantages of kids is you can dress them up in protective gear and nobody bats an eye. Because they think they're cosplaying, yeah. They're... No, they think they're like dressed up for a sport. I, I mean, you, you you go and put on the el- elbow pads, the shoulder pads, the, the whatever. You know, oh, hey, your kid's in, in football. Yeah, we're just coming from practice or something. And this kid could be better armored than the entire team. <laughs> Matter of fact, he, they probably are going to be better armored than the entire team, and and everyone's fine with it. Oh yeah, no, no, he's he's not special. He doesn't need to wear a helmet all the time. We just he's wearing a helmet right now. <laughs> oh, that other kind of armoring we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to teach the kid to drool when you do that. Uh, yeah, Joey, remember how you do the eyes? Yeah, do the eyes. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I think also kids, kids can get people to talk about the most amazing things. You know, there's, you know, the, you need, you need to pump someone for, for information. The kid starts talking to the guy about what's going on. He said, what did you do? What did you do before you came here, sir? And he, and eventually the old guy's busy talking about things he shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, most games don't support giving kids, you know, plus two charisma, to, or, you know, to, to do that, but you know, that's still something you could try playing up on it. The kid is situational modifier GMVI. Again, it, it depends on you know if you have an initial. I would say it's one of those things where it, it's it's gonna it, it's a rebound kind of bonus. It's like if the person has a positive reaction to you, then you get like a bonus. If they have a negative reaction, then it's really negative because some people just can't stand kids. And they don't want anything to do with them. They don't want to talk talk to them. You know, they just they they're they're mean, to, you know, to them because they just don't want to deal with them. Don't know how to deal with them. You know, there's especially if they're you know uh, adult males in their twenties or thirties. If they don't have kids of their own, they don't want anything to do with them unless they're babies and they bring chicks. But anyway, <laughs> unless they're their own. No, 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 no. Yeah, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Toby with his with his little daughter out, in, you know, with his little niece out in the park. It's a chick magnet. <laughs> it never did. <laughs> it works in the movies, okay. <laughs> so if you're if you're if you're following the tropes, you know, in your game, then yeah, go for that. Well, see, so that or a cute little puppy that'll also supposedly attract women. Yeah. The one thing you can say about kids is that once you get a kid's loyalty, 
that kid is rock solid. You know, that kid won't give you up for nothing, you know. So, uh, you know, they're, they're very hard to interrogate, you know, if they, if they have their wits about them, you know, if they're trained, you know, they, they don't easily give up information unless you have a really well-trained uh, interrogator. And you can all teach them also, too, when you get to a certain point, you start crying and just caterwaul. And just keep caterwauling and never stop. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You either just... I, I don't know. Oh, what? Never mind. Or no, what? What, Josie? Yeah. You have... You have these things. Kids, they have their pack of friends, basically. None of them betrays each other. It's like some unspoken agreement they all have. Well, it's kind of the concept of the urban family, like how, and it came up in the 90s because of Friends, but you have the urban family where it's just a group of people and whatever little clique you might have, and it it varies in age groups, so kids would count. You treat these people as siblings. It it doesn't even have to be. These, These can be any age kids. They have their own little group. Doesn't have to be any of these special little cliques or whatever. They just have this group of friends, and they just don't talk about anything that goes on in that group to anybody. Rule one: you don't talk about Fight Club, right? Um, <laughs> what was that, Rich? Midwich Cuckoos by John Wyndham. Okay. And um, <clears throat> yeah, if the kid has. The training that they could do, the screaming, that particular screaming, or the crying on command, or when appropriate, basically. Yeah, you will get people to either be distracted or break off from being insistent with the interrogation. You have the kid just start bawling his eyes out after a while. They'll think they went too far. Yeah, and and unless Bruce, like Bruce said, unless you have like a master interrogator who is basically somebody who has no conscience and they don't care, they'll they don't hurt anybody. That they don't care that this <clears throat> is a kid. They'll just they'll get what they want. Yeah. Then again, refer back to the aforementioned mother who will rip that man apart. Uh, yeah. And and not Yeah. What was that picture? Go ahead. Thing you do is that yeah you know that this is a kid you don't want to put them through full on throw them into the deep end problem is there are times where there they are get times into when it. you have to but well, until not- that point when you have to you can turn the the basic stuff into a game kids love playing games you turn what they need to know into friendly fun stuff all right, play with them, but have an educational element of what they absolutely need to know about it. So what? If it's, teach them if they're being questioned, do certain things to try to you can get them good at them it. Teach them certain things that they'll do. All right, you can turn this interrogation thing. You can teach them how to how to deal with that through a game. 
Well, we'll just have the dad come at him with questions yeah. and just have the kid think on their feet and try to, yeah, okay, I get right. what you're saying. Try to avoid <coughs> answering dad's questions and they'll approach that situation the same way later on. Yeah. Okay, I'm seeing that. I was kind of wondering what you, how you were getting that at first. But yeah, if, if they're taught to treat it as a game, because after a while, unless, again, the hardcore and, interrogator, you're just going to have guys who are just going to walk away pulling their hair going, this kid's driving me nuts, I gotta get away from him, you know. And after a while, you can teach them what's really going on, but dealing with it as is, yeah, yeah, this works. Well, because to them, it's not a chore. If you sit there and if you teach may, them certain things, they're going to be like... If you teach them certain things... <sighs> you know. Yeah. They're going to get that exasperated yeah. side, but if it's you make it... It's the exasperated side. I know. I've gotten that. I've given that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it from you, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but if you approach it in the form of a game, they're more willing to retain the information. Well, also, they're going to have fun if they do get into the situation where, okay, we've captured this young agent, we're going to get information out of them, they're going to crack, they're a kid. Well, if this kid is, you know, has this flipping attitude and just, you know, is just, you know, sending this guy just all the wrong signals and pushing his buttons, unless you get that hardcore unless interrogator, the... they're going to, they're, they will beg for the agents to take they their kid back. They will take the kid back to them saying, here, take this. Please. We're sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. What did you do? Don't shoot me. Just don't. I never want to see this child again. Yeah. So, yeah, interrogation, yeah. They, if they the are, they're taught not to do that, they won't. They won't break that trust. Yeah. I mean, you, te- you teach the kid, oh, Henry's the ransom of Red Chief. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're basically. Uh, 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 I had to read as a kid. Basically, the kid, you know, the two guys kidnap a kid. Turns out he's a redheaded kid, by the way. And uh, yeah, turns out he's more trouble than he's worth. And they end up paying the pe- the father to take him back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely wow. story. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But also, uh, uh, talking about games, I mean, you think about Yeah, there's one thing that I know for a fact, having played Halo. Kids have better reflexes when it comes to doing things that are game-like. So when it comes time to unlimber the second (laughs) air conditioner on the RV, you put the kid at the controls because his reflexes are better than yours. (laughs) Oh, yeah, hand-eye coordination, things that involve hand-eye coordination, that would be something right up a kid's alley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, you can train them how to use the systems. And 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 John, we in the bureau they got things like camera drones and mm-hmm. just like little spider robots that you can manage around. Oh no, kids will be like, dude, put a gun on this and be like a first person shooter. Just go in and scope out the place, okay? You know. But oh no, their hand eye coordination for all of that would be exquisite. That didn't no. even come to mind. Uh, approach, I'm. Okay, I've only read through the Zero Thirteen stuff once because I have other things to deal with. Yeah, but what you did read, you what saw in the I equipment read, section the type of stuff that's there. I kind of skimmed that. Yeah, but still, 
a kid? I'm so I'm approaching this as to what I know, which is probably less than maybe a tenth of what you all know, which well, yeah. is annoying. You're learning. Because You're learning. Everything's flying over my head, and I'm getting really just, annoyed. Just, 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 anyways. So there's different kinds of games out there. You could, right? If you need them to go in, just scope out the place. You show them how to do that through the stealth-based games. Yeah. So that they learn how to not be seen and be quiet. And well, see that—that's the one thing that generally I think all of this kind of wraps up. You can say that having a kid on a team, they make fantastic IT people, comms people, support personnel because they can do all that stuff because they've got the faster reflexes. They're not going to be in the forefront. They're going to be in the background where they can do computer and research and, you know. They're the pa- overlooked by almost everybody. Right. So you're not going to be expecting them. And they're often the ones that are going to pull off the thing that will save the day because they'll be in the background. Right. But, yeah, John bringing up about hand-eye coordination. Yeah, that is good. Drones and all that, give it to the kid. If it's got a joystick or even a, a game controller like Pixie has here hooked up to her computer. She was playing a game before the podcast. You give a kid like a Game Boy controller or a Nintendo controller and you hook it up to a drone, they'll fly the daylights out of that thing. So thought crossed my mind because this is where, you know, Ray, Ray Robertson. 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 Thank you. Ray Robertson. Uh, we'll see the kid, see how he does the games. Said, "Come here," and that's when he unveils the VR rig with exoskeleton remote control and puts the kid into it. So the kid can actually be in the front lines while still in the RV. Oh, so kind of like the uh, VR. It's a robot. Rig, it's the, the Lost in Space movie where Will was manipulating the robot yes. back on the Jupiter Two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to be careful with that, John. Because of the because of the psychological issues, yeah, you're still having oh, the yeah. kid deal with a lot of combat type issues, and mm-hmm. well, also that would give a bad thing about it would kind of make the kid not. Well, I'm trying to say this correctly. Bloodthirsty. You're, well, yeah, because you're going to have that kid not connect. That yeah, I can go out and do all this and not get hurt because I'm in this robot. And it's like a game. Well, you're still fighting real people. So, yeah, the kid being on the front lines, that's not something you would want to do all the time. If it's something that needs to be done, yeah. But you would have to realize, the kid, you doing this is a last resort. Our backs are against the wall, and you're safe in the RV. But we can have, you know, our robot out fighting with us while you're safe. It's just, we're not going to be having to do this all the time. Yeah. It's more like it's going to happen under a rescue situation. Yeah. Yeah. Though I can see Ray hearing you parents talk about this. Like, oh, so, okay. Cause I, I was just going to give it like touch feedback. So would pain receptors be appropriate too? So if the kid gets hit hard, he'll feel the pain. Most parents would be looking not, at that Ray going, you're going to feel pain if you do that to my kid. Yeah. No, 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 no. It'd just be pain receptors so that, you know, he, he learns that, yes, you get hurt when you get hit. It won't be real hurt. It'd just be a pain receptor, you know. Oh, like, like maybe a stink. Feedback. 
Yeah, I mean, it could be the equivalent of getting smacked with a rubber band. The yeah. equivalent of getting... Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. So basically, you know, he would include negative feedback in the suit, so the kid realizes, A, the suit's expensive, and Ray wants it back. You know, so don't get don't wreck the suit. Yeah, good luck on that, Ray. Right. You know, when you no. when you break out the Herbert suit, it's almost guaranteed the uh, one use uh, operation of that suit probably with the kid, because the kid will probably do something like, "Well, I'm not there, and someone's got to stop these people from coming." Run, and he'll sacrifice the suit for the family. At that point, well, yeah, that that acceptable loss, but I I would think that mainly a miner's role as part of a mm-hmm. Bureau 13 family team will be a support yes. role. They will be IT. They will be comms. They will be instant combat. Because a lot of kids are taught first aid. Even just bandaging, setting a bone, simple first aid a kid could do. A, a preteen, you could teach them. Bruce, they teach first aid in the Boy Scouts, right? Oh, absolutely. They teach not only not only uh, basic first aid, but they also have advanced classes that, uh, as part of merit badges that you can go for. Okay, so even things like CPR and all that, like... Oh, that's basic. Okay. Yeah, you learn that right off... I mean, that's that's something, yes, you, you have... To, uh, that's part of life-saving, that's part of uh, uh, first aid, the first aid merit badge... Uh, yeah, that's that's really basic thing to do. What well, what would be the advanced stuff then that goes on there? You know, dealing with blood loss, dealing with people who've gone into shock, uh, dealing with um, uh, you know, set, as you say, uh, protecting bones, creating uh, splints, other things like that. You know, because see, most everything in the first aid is designed to make the person ambulatory to get them to a really to a real medical facility. It's not designed to fix anything. And they teach them as young as Cub Scouts. I'm actually looking at right now at various pages where Cub Scouts are being taught to do uh, basic first aid. The first thing you're taught is to assess the situation. You know, how dire is this? Is this something that needs something done about? Because a lot of times it isn't. I, I, I can see it now. Little, little eight-year-old Susie. Mother, shut up. I got to pull the bullet out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> But still, yeah, the, the, having kids in support roles, you've got built-in medics, you've got built-in communication, you've got built-in researchers. You can sit there, be out in the field, and you know, call over the Bluetooth, you know, junior, you know, call up, you know, this particular floor plan of this building, and they can transmit it to the bureau watch. And because most bureau RVs are, you know, parked a couple blocks away, they're not going to be right there at the site. The kids are relatively safe. They're not going to be in the thick of things. But but let's mention the disadvantages of kids too, because we, we talked about the advantages. All right, okay. Yeah, and again, this is going to this this we're we're talking about a wide range because these are kids from small age all the way up. Okay. Um, all right. So the disadvantages: lower strength. Well, yeah. Okay, they just—they're—they're they're not going to be able to carry as much. They're not going to be able to, um, you know, lift. They're not going to be able to do a fireman's carry, probably on any anything, you know, uh, anything close to an adult. Agreed. Okay. So, I mean, you know, your your best bet is 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 hoping the kid can drag you someplace. 
Okay, unless of course they've got one of those exoskeletons on, in which case, great. It's, it all depends on how good the exoskeleton is, you know. But I'm just saying, is it uh, one of the biggest disadvantages of kids is they're just simply less strength. They're just not as physically, you know, strong and and powerful. Okay, that means they're not going to be able to handle the larger weapons. They're probably not going to be able to swing a sword. They're not going to be able to handle, you know, um, a uh, 50 caliber rifle, no matter what you see in an anime. Most kids are not going to be able to handle major league weapons because they just simply don't have the physical capability. They don't have the mass or they don't have the strength to be able to hold it steady or carry it or whatever else that you need to do in order to make it work. Yep. I'm looking at you, gunslinger girl. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, is that the ones with the 50 calibers, okay, they could have as much stamina or even better stamina, but it is all relative to what they're doing because, you know, when a when a 40-pound kid is carrying a 50-pound item, well, you know, <laughs> it's a lot, okay? And, it, and, and they may, you know, they may take as many steps as an adult, but their stride isn't as big, so they don't go as far. So, you know, it's, I'm just saying is that you have to kind of gauge these things. But one of the biggest things that kids don't have is they don't know as much. Yeah. They just haven't had time to amass, you know, the body of information that adults been able to, to do. And that makes their judgment faulty. It makes their perceptions a lot of times faulty because they just don't know enough to perceive. Now, in their areas, especially that we were talking about, cultural changes, things like that, they might be really, really good. But there's going to be a lot of myopia, yeah. That the kids have, yeah. I mean, that reflects in most. Ga- and this is where I'm going to talk a little about game systems. This is where most games tend to have kids built on fewer points, or they have restrictions on what they can and can't learn. So, uh, for for instance, in Savage Worlds, you if you're going to play a kid, you take the youth. Uh, hindrance, which basically only gives, instead of giving you five attribute points to build your character with, you you get three. And instead of getting 15 skill points, you get 10. Well, yeah. So... So you're you're built you're built on a on a, lim, uh, on a limited basis. Uh, D20, Pathfinder, do they have something similar for kids? Um, for D20 Modern, from what I remember, because I've, I've switched mostly over to Pathfinder, and I don't remember any seeing any kid rules yet. There are in Pathfinder, I know there were some... No, D- in, in D20 Modern. Yeah, D20 Modern, yeah. Basically, they said if you're starting out as a child character, boom, you're first level. There is no way you're going to feasibly be more than a first level character as a, as anything other than a young adult, which is like 14 and older by, get, by D20 Modern rules. So yeah, that means you're just going to have... You might be one of the six ability-linked, you know, strong, fast, tough, smart, dedicated, charismatic. You're only going to be first level. Now, whether you can have a certain skill or not, that would be GM fiat because there's no rule saying, oh, you can't have drive, you can't have pilot, you can't have this. That would be GM fiat just saying, come on, really, an 11-year-old knowing how to drive, that's not going to happen. So it's a matter of rules and eyeballing for D20 playing a character who is a minor. Yeah, if you're playing in Fate uh, Core or Fate Accelerated, with Fate Core, uh, most characters are built with a plus four as their top level skill. 
I would say kids, oh, star met plus three. That means they actually have four less skills than everyone else, and they really aren't as good at them. And they also take the the uh, trouble of well, youth. They're a kid, so yes, that means they will. They will, and unfortunately, because of the way the rules are set up, make a ton of fate because they'll they'll keep self compelling themselves with the youth. Oh, I can't do that. I'm a kid. Fate, fate me, fate me. But you know, uh, that's a, you know that's the the GM will have to deal with. And if you're using fate accelerated, instead of having plus three as your top. You actually, I always make a case where you start with with plus two and you go as low as minus one in in your uh, approaches. So yeah, that means the kids aren't as good as aren't as good as the parent, but they make up for it in that because they, they'll have a tr- they'll have an aspect that states that they are ki- their youth they can self compel with or be compelled with, and they'll get they'll be a fate point hoarders. And fate points are great in, in these games, and they, they, they actually allow you to do things such as be that support character and make it and create advantages for other characters to work off of. So there's advantage of you know of not having as many skills, but it does mean you you have a way to earn a lot more fate than the average person. Now if you're using D20 um, there really isn't any uh, reason that you should treat them any differently than, let's say, uh, a halfling. Well, yeah, because halflings are small humans, and then mm-hmm. and the only real thing I would put give us a, a subtraction on maybe would be in the area of a uh, a skills. But as far as the uh, the main attributes, as far as strength and everything else, there's no reason why a halfling couldn't, you know, if a halfling can have a 16 strength, so can a child. Let's say you have an eight-year-old who's been brought into the Bureau because they were found to have psychic powers. Well, fine, this kid has psychic powers, but he's eight years old. You're going to have size restrictions. You're going to have strength restrictions. An eight-year-old kid just, there's going to be certain stats where that GM will look and go, no, and uh, you you rolled an 18 strength for an eight-year-old boy. No, yeah, he may have telepathy and empathy, but yeah, again, that's there's going to be some GM. There'd be a lot more things you'd have to figure out. Yeah, those stats might be rolled that way, but you'd have to think of proportional to the size. What would this mean in terms of what this size person can handle? Oh, God, I'm trying. You'd have to figure it out about proportionally. size and strength. There was something in the Second World source book because they, in, in, the, in the Second World setting, they had rules for, and it, it's, so it'd be D20, OGL. You would give most kids the small size, which means you would. You know, stealth roles and intimidate roles would all be fluctuated accordingly. And you'd give them a minus two for strength. And I want to say a plus one to reflex saves just because of how agile they are relatively. But after they hit a certain age, you just you lose those various things. things. Yeah, and you lose those child penalties, basically. well, and some bonuses, and it just all levels out as you gain Everything the minimum of adulthood. When it when they reach the adult age. Yeah. So, yeah, there could be things, little tweaks stats, and perks for kids you that you could do. the stats, okay? If you're yeah. intending on... If this character is intended to start as a child but grow over time, 
you'd roll the stunts according to what they will end up being, but you'd have to do the modifications to account for the child size. I actually, Bruce, D20 Modern, D20 Modern does have, um, ability adjustments for being younger than an adult. It's like, if you're like really, really young, you're taking a minus three to your physical scores. Right. Yes. I, I realize that, but I'm saying is that that's, if you, if you want to go that way, but if you, instead you want to say that let's treat a child as if they're a halfling, then there's another set of rules that then apply. Well, yeah. Yeah. There's a, that's, Different. It depends on how realistic you want to be or whether you're going to be, totally buy into the fantasy environment. It depends on what you want to do, yeah. but in the case of you're just dealing with basically child of a normal person, you would have to make that modification. Yeah. Like the minus three to the physical stores because the child's not going to be able to lift as much. They're and they're going to catch colds easier, and they're not, not going to be as resilient to disease. And also, and they're just stuff. they're still learning their agility and everything, and just and gets better with practice and time. As they're growing, they improve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why all your Olympic level uh, gymnasts, okay, female gymnasts, are 12 years old. <laughs> well, I mean, no. okay. I need time to process that. Well, yeah, I would think it's because <laughs> they're at that peak of agility. That agility and limpness, so they're able to... 16. They're not... Yes, I I know. When you have a young kid, like eight, you said, they would have that penalty to the agility and that stuff because you go through a growth spurt, you have to get used to the new size. Yeah. Okay, this is... Kind of wobbly, isn't he? Yeah. He's kind of wobbly and... Where you needed, where you might have needed to just reach out and grab something that was sitting on the end of the dresser, suddenly you just knock it on the floor. Uh, okay. No, no, I, I get it, but yeah, twelve to sixteen, it seems to be 12 that. Twelve to sixteen. That's the that's, the prime limberness and agile, and they're those, real bendy, and yeah. Those changes have slowed down. You're approaching the. You're approaching your adult size, but you've still got the agility. Uh, you've still got that flexibility. You can still bend, yeah. Trust me, I as you get older, you kind of really lose that. Well. Yeah, I know, and as you get older, trust me, you lose that. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. 
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.